0: Listening to Living with ADHD and CPTSD, available on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. another episode of living with ADHD and CPTSD. Today of course is a CPTSD episode and a new episode and I want to talk about how when you're with someone who's not exactly sure of what's going on and it comes to you know proper behaviors, abusive behavior, uh, narcissistic tendencies, manipulative behavior. It's amazing how it can affect your mental health in such a drastic way, especially if you have past trauma that you're not really aware of or that you have very little education about and it's a mystery to you. And until you start to learn about it and you start to understand just exactly how trauma affects you and where CPTSD is from, then you start to have a much broader understanding of how it starts and what it can cause and create. And it's a lot of, well, to be honest, it creates a lot of great difficulties for people because... If we understood it and we were aware of what happens and why it happens in our brain when we are experiencing the trauma in real time, then there wouldn't be really need for, you know, going to a therapist, doing our work, processing and connecting with our parts and such because we would already know how to fix it. There wouldn't be any need for the work and... Maybe someday in the future, we'll know how to do all that. And there will be great advances in mental health and neurological science. But at this point, we're still, you know, we're still at the beginning stages of it. So I want to discuss how I came from a situation in my life to not being aware of CPTSD and then experiencing trauma and CPTSD flashbacks and expanding trauma-related issues within my life in a period of about 10 years. Because it will really help not only myself, but it'll help you, the audience, have a much broader and specific understanding of just what exactly happens and what it did to me. And there'll be some details about right from the beginning, like 10 years ago to about now. And I'll give you some history, uh, like past historic history on my life so that you can understand where it's coming from. Okay, so first off, I'm not going to start right at the very beginning of everything because you need to understand a couple things before I go there. Then it'll make more sense later on in the episode. My girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, back when the trauma... And the CPTSD understanding and you know trying to diagnose that we that I actually have it and that I'm experiencing flashbacks. She over time influenced and convinced me that a lot of my flashbacks and trauma experiences came from within my family, uh, more specifically from my father. And for the longest time, up till recently, I wholeheartedly believed that most of my trauma that I had, even from my childhood up until school and then middle school, And into high school and then the relapses that I had as a young adult throughout my life till present day all started at a nice bright early age of five, six years old because of my dad. But when I looked back and I and I was this is when I was really starting to understand and figure out the small pieces of this relationship and trying to analyze where it went wrong. And it started to to show me sides of, you know, things that I had never seen before and had a hard time understanding because I was so clouded. Uh, the level of manipulation and you know, brute bullying and trauma that I, re- I received in the short period of time, it, it's like it brainwashed me and convinced me that the things that I was being told were correct. Now, a lot of you, of course, are going to automatically go, well, there is a prototypical narcissist. Yeah, that's true. That is what that is. But the thing is, is, when I talked it over with a few people, and both of them just happen to be psychologists and are very experienced when it comes to different abuses and, you know, the types of people who cause it we came to a a very solid conclusion that she's not a true, thoroughbred narcissist but what we are believing and of course this can't be proven because you know we're not the ones doing the 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 psychological analysis on her and and such but we have this belief that she could be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder with narcissistic tendencies and it's that's not You know good by any means because it can be very similar to narcissistic behaviors but it also explains the emotional outbursts and the temper and the abusive behavior presented towards me both physically and emotionally and of course all the manipulation and and lying and and brainwashing that i experienced So it's one of those things that you have a hard time being able to see it from a non-biased point of view or an objective point of view until you've been away from it for a period of time. It's just like anything, right? Until you heal, until you are able to see past the screen, then it's very difficult to see the truth and to see what reality is, not what you've been told reality would be or is according to someone else. So the truth is that, yeah, okay. My father is the kind of person who has a short temper and can fly off the handle awful fast he gets angry at things that the average person doesn't typically get angry at. They might get annoyed and they might show their displeasure, but they're not going to get to the level where you're fuming and you're yelling and swearing and you're, you know, you're threatening to, to give a piece of your mind and you're going to you know, tear him a new asshole or something, right? Like it it doesn't get to that level. And there's, and the thing is, is when I was a child and I got into trouble, he would get extremely upset due to his, his temper. And it was not something that he's really been able to understand and to get a, get a hold of too well. He doesn't get as angry as often today. And I think that's just because of age and from growing up and learning and experiences. Right. And I think that's common with everybody. We're all going to mellow out as we get older and gain experiences and realize that there are different ways to handle things rather than always getting upset and and using physical violence or emotional like abuse or right like there are other ways but my my father never really was the kind of person who took it out on any on myself or on me just for no reason he was never abusive he wasn't a like someone who was always getting drunk and had a, a an addiction problem nothing like that he just His disciplinary tactics were harsh, but he always cared. He always was looking out for me. He always wanted to make sure that I had everything that I could get. Uh, I had all the options and experiences and opportunities that were given and that were out there for a child in my life. Where I lacked, what I was lacking throughout my growth into teenage years was learning in detail, the social etiquette, the rules, the how to handle, you know, friends, how to handle disappointment, how to handle challenges and confrontations, how to be socially correct and and polite and appropriate, how to listen and respond to questions with thorough answers, how to, you know, how to be have a good communication skills and how to communicate effectively, right? Like I was I never really learned any of this. Now you gotta understand, my both of my parents didn't exactly come from mid-class families. Like my my father's family from the moment they arrived in Canada, way back a hundred and, oh my God, almost 120 years ago, even probably when, before they came over, they were never wealthy by any means, not even close. Like it was, you talk about classes, right? Like there's, there's um, mid-level, there's, low and then there's high level so there's the is there your rich, your wealthy, there's your mid range who are like making a good wage, having a nice house, a car to they can live. And then there's the low the low level or the low economic where all often they struggle to get by. They're poor uh you know, they they have, they're having a couple jobs uh, a week. Uh, And they're both working and they've, and they're just, they're getting by, but they're living paycheck to paycheck. My, my dad's family was never the wealthy type. They struggled. They, they did manage to have a house and they had a nice yard, but food wasn't exactly something that was plenty. They grew, they grew a garden in the back. And they 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 fed themselves, but they never had freedom to just buy anything whenever they want. They often struggled. They had to save up if they ever needed anything. Uh, it was the kind of place that you hope to God that something like a furnace or or the water system or a major disaster didn't occur, or a health a major health issue that required money, right? Like. It was that kind of a situation where as long as that didn't occur, things would be good enough to get through. And on my mother's side, they were... I would say they were a little better off, but they were all brought up with the idea of being conservative, uh, strict, following very harsh guidelines like they were quite religious and they wanted you know there it was they were always taught to keep your feelings to yourself don't don't show emotion don't fight with each other respect your elders you know like it was a very straight and narrow quiet family and neither of my parents were very well educated neither of them went to college uh, my father dropped out of school at uh, grade 10 and started working, you know, jobs after job uh, on the road when he was 16. And my mother didn't finish high school either. So neither of them are extremely, have any real education. Uh, my dad did do like certification for boiler handler. But he doesn't, that's, that's about as, as far as his education goes. So I wasn't, I'm not exactly someone who was raised in a family by parents that were well-educated. There's a lot of things that I didn't understand. I didn't know what to do. Um, never, I was never taught a lot of etiquette and, and social standards and, and rules and how to do things and what not to do, what to say. And it probably also didn't help that I developed ADHD, of course, which back then nobody really knew much about it, and it wasn't taken very seriously. It was always, oh, the child just needs more discipline, he just needs to focus harder, work harder, right? Like, needs better support at home, blah, blah, blah. And that's the way it was back in the early, <clears throat> mid-80s into the 90s. So when I in school see that's that's the part the memory's a little fuzzy because you know obviously you don't necessarily think about school especially if it's not good if it's if it was a bad experience it's not exactly something you're going to be thinking about on a regular basis more often and you're just going to try to forget about it because it's something you don't want to live over and over again especially if you were bullied and and harassed and and you didn't have any friends, right? Which was my situation. So I, the majority, I would say 90% of my trauma and my CPTSD came from my experiences in school. I developed really bad social anxiety and I was afraid to interact with people. Uh I was really scared of being rejected. I was never invited to any school parties. Uh like I none of nobody really truly respected me. I was quite an opinionated kid, but I was also I just didn't know the way to behave like i didn't know the rules i didn't know when to say something and when not to say something i did there were, there were so many things i could go on and on about all of this in order to to get my point across but i'm i don't really want to focus as much on that i just want to give this as a background to understand what my life was like so I went yeah I went through school I got bullied and harassed and manipulated I was lied to Um, you know it it led me to the point where when school was over and I graduated I had such severe anxiety issues with social situations that I was really anti-social I made any kind of excuse to not go out uh, I would only go out with certain people that were friends. I had a hard time making friends. I really didn't want to interact with people through work. And I didn't trust a lot of people. Most people that I knew, it was all surface level. And if there were friendship, it was just through work. There was, I never wanted to do anything with any of them outside of work because there was severe trust issues and it didn't help that when I started dating which was at the good old age of 26 yes I know that's that's a late start for a lot of people that it just kept growing like I kept I I dated someone who is very mentally abusive uh, played with my emotions tried to manipulate me And the thing is, is the one constant, and I'm going to explain this right now. The one constant that I have had throughout all of my relationships that I have had since 26 years of age was towards the end of it, there was a common problem where I believed that there was not going to be anybody else who would be better. And that this would be the best that I could do. And so deal with it. Maybe it'll get better. Maybe you'll fix it. You know, maybe, you know, you, you're too scared to end it because you firmly think that if you do, you're never going to find another person who's going to be any better. So you're better off just sticking with who you have. That's that's what the, the belief and, the, and that I was convinced on all three occasions. So that is one thing that I do need to really focus on and work on is to not allow my needs to be pushed aside and not let myself be afraid to see the truth. And if I'm not happy, if there's something not quite right, that I need to take the steps to to not let it just go on. I need to be in charge of myself. I need to take care of me first. Okay, so on to the most recent years. (laughs) So I didn't date. I didn't have a relationship for eight years. My last relationship before this one had ended in March of 2013. And... It was a. It was really kind of an odd relationship. It it didn't go well, like it, it it looked like it would, but it just just didn't. There was something not quite right about it, and I didn't notice, and I never understood it until like months later after it had ended, and I did a lot of. I tried to focus on myself. And I know it sounds like I'm kind of going through a loop here, but you learn about yourself and you learn things. You learn what to avoid and you learn what to flow towards, right? Like, and unfortunately, when you don't have a lot of experience, when it comes to relationships, there isn't a lot to fall back on. You're still learning a great deal about yourself and about, the way things work and what's good and what is bad for you, right? So I, my, okay, first off, I was never, I was never intending to go eight years without dating and without a relationship. That was never my intention. I did for a while look around at, to see what was out there. I made attempts to meet people, but it just never worked out. It was like I was, I'm like a struggling baseball player hitting zero. <laughs> you know, you get up up to bat and every time you you go up, you strike out and you never get anywhere. That's what it was like. But then when the health issue started, like I started having severe issues that were really starting to affect my mental health. That's when the a lot of anxiety started. Like, there are posts on my Facebook page where I talk about how this anxiety is so bad. Please stop. You know, it, it's, it's, I've had enough kind of thing. And it, it was all, it was all anxiety for health reasons. It was nothing to do with social issues, not a dating thing, but it was so strong that I just didn't really feel like i was going to be any good to anybody like imagine trying to date someone when you've got severe anxiety and mental health problems because of because of a health issue that you believe is is so bad that you're gonna die but the reality isn't that it's just it's hard to you know it's hard to get past it when that's all you experience day after day time again right like it it's, it's quickly gets in your brain and it takes over and it convinces you. And even when reality has set in, like, you know, like I finally learned a number of years later that, hey, this is not real. This isn't happening. You're fine. You know, you're going to be okay. There's still triggers. There's little events that come up every so often that make you flashback and still think there's something wrong with me you know it's that's the problem with cptsd is that despite knowing the truth you still there are still flashbacks there's still things that trigger you and it's there's just no common sense like that's the thing is it's, it's it's so ridiculous when you when you think about it you take a step back and you really think about it there is no common sense here you know you're fine. You do. It's it's so obvious. But yet you get a trigger or you something something reminds you of it. It it's like your brain takes over and says, "Oh, that wasn't true. That's a lie." You know, here we go again. So it was like a repeating just over and over traumatic and 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 horrific and such and it took a long time and a lot of work to convince myself and to get past the triggers so that I knew that I was fine. You know, there's an explanation for it. There's something obvious. You're going to be okay. Don't let it affect you. And it took a while, but it's, it, it did finally happen. So that doesn't bug me. You know, there's still times where you get, I get sensations and things that occur, but I no longer get triggered and I'm not sitting here thinking I'm going to die. That this is, that it's, it's real. No, that doesn't happen. So yeah, I, I went eight years and here's the thing. When you meet someone for the first time, you know, like you, you meet a girl or you meet a man for the first time and everything is amazing. You know, it's it seems perfect. You gel, you have great chemistry, you have amazing conversations, you talk for hours on end. There's it's there's such a it, it gels and it works. You're never going to say to yourself this person's a narcissist. This person could be bad. This is going to go terrible. I'm going to get abused. This person's going to be mean. This person's not going to care about me, blah, blah, blah. No, you never think this. This is not what's in your mind when you meet someone for the first time. Because all you ever think about is, oh, this is a, a new start. She's amazing. It's so wonderful. She's We're, we're so meant to be together. He, and here's the reality is... When we started dating, and we met each other, like even before we had met, there was like notion that something was was good about this. or was something great, and then we met and we started we met a few times, and we did start to date, and we were together. We we really believed that this was it, right? We were we were meant for each other, that it was it was like meant to be it was destiny all this stuff right and things for six eight months were great there was a lot of good times we had a lot of fun uh there was a lot of like physical interaction if you know what I mean it was amazing like it 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 truly looked like it was going to be a great a great relationship and that it was going to last forever and that we were going to get married and And it was all awesome. And I did things like write love letters and, and put them in a book for her. And there was, it was romantic and, and it was amazing. And I, and I made such an effort and I did things for her all the time and we, we were in love and it was amazing. That's all I can say really. And then we were only together for, I think we had got just into our first year, like after after our one year, the pandemic hit and we were forced to, we couldn't, we didn't, we weren't able to see each other from mid-March till I think it was August. So we spent a lot of time apart. We talked you know, we, we did things like talk to each other and we did some video um, chatting and stuff. And, and we struggled. Like, it was, I was having a hard time dealing with being alone. Um, I wanted to see her. Uh, there were a number of times where I was willing to, you know, break the rules because I wanted to see her so bad. And then I'd get in trouble because she thought I was being selfish. So it kind of started there. And then, when we finally did start to see each other again it it was it was okay like it it was kind of up and down uh there were fights and there were emotional outbursts and unexpected things happening. I was starting to understand my c. p. t. s. d really well um uh, we were starting to like there was a whole whack of stuff we were start you know the the ADHD thing came up the autism thing came up um we were really focusing on on the trauma and she was trying to to help me figure it out and i was struggling like crazy i just couldn't understand it it was very difficult it you know it it just felt like it was like i was back in my old marketing class in 20 uh, 1997 and just it just didn't work and i and i was struggling and she was getting impatient and i was starting to it, it, and that's kind of where it began and she she tried but she was unknowingly being uh, emotionally abusive, and she was kind of being manipulative. And this is where we were starting to, where she was starting to to like tell me, and the the convincing started of where uh, my father was the soul, the the start of of the the CPTSD, the trauma, and all these like questions and 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 explanations and then going to the therapist. And then like, it was, it was really, it was just a very slow downhill travel and journey towards ultimately the end. There were a few uphills, like obviously if we hadn't have improved, we would never, never would have, we never would have moved in obviously. Cause we, we had to, we both had to feel that it was right right you know what i mean like it we had to be at a at a certain level where we felt that this was this was it and we did it was we had a lot of there was a good improvement i i really tried hard and worked hard and i was doing a lot of work and we we agreed in in april of 2021 we agreed about looking for a place together and then we found one in June and of course July 2021 we moved in and it was it was pretty decent at that point but then things started to go downhill by November it really just started to fall and it and it just never really, it didn't recover very well, if you know what I mean. Like, it just felt like things were going in a downward spiral with a bit of, like, it was kind of l- leveraging out a bit, but it was always going downhill. And then in the spring of 2022, huh, it it really took a bad turn. There was emotional outbursts and extreme anger and fighting and and it was mostly on her behalf like i was just trying to to figure things out and i was struggling i was reaching out for help i was trying you know i i was desperate and yet she just didn't want to put in any effort anymore it was it wasn't immediate right like it was a slow degrade but it peaked in the summer the summer was the first instance of any violence, physical, right? Like, she, there were times where she was throwing utensils from the kitchen at me and attempting to kick me, and she was trying to hit me. And she broke a few things. Like, she, this was, like, extreme, just off the edge. And then in August was the first actual domestic abuse where she grabbed me by the throat and attempted to choke me. and that lasted for like five seconds before it ended, and I got really upset and I honestly thought that was it then. but amazingly, we did didn't end. We took some time apart we We had a break for a month or so, but none at no point at any at, through that did we ever re reconvene like it was there was no reconciling she never did apologize for it and it it was just waning right like it it kind of felt like we were just hanging on maybe it would get better but it never really did but neither of us were willing to to quit I, I was again at that thinking that I'm never gonna find anything better. She was being very manipulative. She was constantly telling me, no one's ever gonna put up with this like I am. I've given you so many chances. You know, no one's gonna gonna want this. Maybe someone who's damaged like yourself. Like it was just constant emotional abuse and, and manipulation and I was trying to be convinced, and for the most part I was, that it wasn't her fault at all, that she had nothing to do with any of this, that it was me that caused all of it. And we kind of, there was a point, I think in September, October, where things cooled off. We had a visitor from Vancouver that came out and we did really well. We had Thanksgiving together with the family and it it felt decent you know like it felt like we were getting along and then december came and things started to kind of get rough again and it peaked in the third week just before christmas it really peaked and i don't remember exactly what happened but she wanted to end it and we were she says well what we're going to do is we're going to pretend that everything's okay because we don't want to disappoint and ruin people's christmases and so we we got through christmas we faked it We, we managed to make it work nobody was really the wiser And then on the 27th, that was the final straw. (laughs) It was the most ridiculous thing. And let's just say that I was getting a piece of pie and I was trying to put the pie back in the container. And it's those little flat boxes, you know, when you put the lid on. And she was trying to tell me that I wasn't pushing the tabs far enough to put the in and because I was making a mess. And I was disagreeing with her, and I said, "No, I did push them far enough, I know, and she she was trying to convince me that I didn't do it, that I wasn't. And the mess on the counter, I said, was from the cutting, and she says, "You know, you did, and but no, you didn't." And then you said, I, I stood there and said, "Okay, you know what? You're right. I didn't do it." And then she said I was lying to her just to." you know, and to, to avoid anything. And that was it. And then all of a sudden she just stormed off. And the next day, I, we both knew that was it. She started to move down into the basement and I was up here and that was the end. And the thing that I remember is that when it finally was over, I felt a sense of relief a big sense of relief that I didn't have to deal with it anymore. No more fighting, no more feeling scared, no more always watching my back, worried about every little thing that I do. It's done. And I f- started to feel great, you know, like it, it. there was still a lot of mental, you know, uncertainty because she was still here and I didn't know what to expect. I'd never knew what was gonna come. And the thing that really nailed it in the coffin was she brought someone over in mid-January, I think it was the 20th. And she didn't ask, she didn't check to see if it was okay with me. She just said someone may be coming over and coming inside heads up right and it stunned me and it freaked me out I got triggered and I was scared and I'm going oh my god how dare she do this this is how can this can be considered appropriate behavior she didn't ask and the next day I filed my 60-day notice that I intend to move out and that was it and I was saying no, this is this is ridiculous. I have no, I want nothing to do with this. I will not be going back. And then to be more to, up to the most recent point in time, I was. We're we're both trying to figure out our living arrangements. Like I'm working hard to find a new place. I've been every day looking for an, a new location an affordable location that I that is, is great for me, close to work, allows dogs, you know, because obviously I've got my dog. And when I told her that it looks like I've got a place and I'm going to apply for it, she had informed me that she was struggling to find anybody with her ad. And it immediately made me go, what the hell? And... I'm thinking I've made all this effort to get somebody or to find a place to live and you've barely done anything. (sighs) You know, it's just like, it's like she didn't care. So I created within the hour, three more ads and I put this place out and I literally, there was this traffic. Like I remember... At least a dozen people were, into, were noticing and contacted me about the ad. And she found her roommates because of my ads. It wasn't anything to do with her. But the thing is, is I was starting to get really nervous that I was going to be stuck. And that I wasn't going to, I was not going to be able to take the place that I found. So what I did is I applied through my psychologist for a certified statement from a professional. In Alberta, we have a thing called safer spaces and it allows for a person who is in a domestic abuse domestic violence relationship and living with that person can get a certification that will allow them to have the lease that they have with their landlord terminated so that they can move out and and get away from the person and find a new place. And of course, what that does is that terminates the lease for everybody. So I got the paperwork done. Uh, I had started it on the Monday and then by Friday I had received it and I got it to my landlord and she was notified of it. And then unfortunately, a few days early, my ex was notified of it but it doesn't tell them why it just tells them that i have a i have uh, obtained a certi- certification paper legally making this lease uh basically terminated 28 days later i was just covering my ass i did not want to be stuck having to rent some place that i didn't like because of the fact that my ex-girlfriend couldn't find suitable roommates Fortunately, on the Monday later that week, so a week after I had started making the paperwork for the for the forms and the certification, the landlord notified me that she had found two approved roommates to move in as of March 1st. I had been approved back on Monday or Tuesday excuse me no on Tuesday of the week before I had been uh, offered the location that I'm going to live in and I got my damage deposit and my pet fee into him and everything's done so here's the thing I throughout the last week I have figured out so much about what was going on where the real problem lies and the thing is is she was manipulative in so many ways she had convinced me that it was my fault that this relationship had gone bad that it had nothing to do with her that none of what she did was was had anything to do with this which of course is wrong i was <sighs> So scared, I was mentally scared of her and all the emotional abuse and damage that I had received from her had caused a great deal of pain and suffering. And it is something that affects me still. Like, to be honest, I'm afraid to go and talk to her. I'm afraid to interact with her because I do not know what to expect. It's very unpredictable. There hasn't been any physical abuse in quite a while, but thankfully, that's not the case. Um, I've already said that if anything does happen, that I would call the police and have her arrested, but it's probably never going to come to that because we are basically not speaking to each other unless it's through text or email. And there's only well, 12 days or so left before I'm out. And I'm really looking forward to it. I've got a new start. And I even with, and my therapist is completely with me on this. I am taking some time away from therapy and I am going to completely focus on moving forward. And I am going to not think about her at all. I'm going to block her number. I'm gonna make sure I don't get any emails. It's going to be a complete start, brand new start for me, new place. I'm going to have all my friends that are going to be my support group with me. And I'm going to take some time to work on myself, to improve my mental health, uh, get some confidence back, you know, just try to have a fresh start. And maybe someday I'll meet somebody who really is the right person, you know, like it's obviously a lot of work and a lot of effort but it's going to be so worth it so yeah uh, being with someone who's as bad as she was when it came to emotional abuse and manipulation and having violence or violent tendencies like she does it really screwed up my level of confidence and it really exasperated and it blew apart my CPTSD and my trauma. Like I wasn't that bad before I met her. Like there were obviously some anxiety issues and social issues, but she really, she made it so much worse and it set me back quite a bit because when you think you've met the right person and then it turns out not to be at all, you really start to second guess a lot of things and makes you question choices that you've made. And it's going to most likely affect the choices you make in the future as well. You got to do the right things and it just makes it that much harder because now you have to, you know, think even lo- even more. You have to do more research and more background checking before you do anything because you don't want to go through that all again. That's the last thing I want. I do not want to have to deal with this ever again. Once is bad. Three times is terrible. You know, like this was the worst of the three, but... I don't ever want to go through this again. So it's going to be on me to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And now that I'm aware of everything and I know what's going on and I am so much smarter and aware of everything, it's if if it does it's I I have nobody to blame but myself because it should be so obvious. And yeah, that's the way it is. I won't forget this, but I need to find a way to move forward and heal and work with my parts and get to a stage where I can start to think about it again and not feel trapped or manipulated ever again. And there you have it another episode of living with ADHD and CPTSD. I hope this was a great episode and helpful for all of you out there listening. If you find that this kind of episode is really informative and helpful for you, then please give me a shout. Let me know uh, what you feel and how you're thinking about this. Uh, you can get in touch with me either by email, um, The email address is livingwithadhdandcptsd at gmail.com. If you want to contact me on Twitter, by all means, my Twitter handle is at ADHDandcptsd. You can also get a hold of me at Mastodon. Um, That is a relatively new social site, kind of like Twitter. Um, You can also go to my website, www.livingwithadhdandcptsd.ca. If you would like to help me out, uh, whether it's donation or even becoming a member, you can go to my Patreon page. Uh, just look for Living with ADHD and CPTSD. You can go to ko That's ko-fi.com. And you can donate there any amount you feel is acceptable. It doesn't really matter. And you can also become a subscriber to Apple Podcasts. And it's a small monthly fee. That you can pay to get access to episodes like this early. And, you know, other episodes that aren't available to the public. All right, everyone, that is this episode. I hope you have a great day and I shall talk to you later. Bye, everyone.